The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. How are you doing this morning? It, uh, it's still school holidays for, for some of us. For the rest of us, it's just the end of September. Um, and so if you don't know me, my name is Shane. Uh, if you are new or you've only come for a few weeks and haven't met me, I would, I would love to meet you after the service. Uh, but if you haven't been coming, we have just finished 12 weeks going through the book of Daniel. Uh, we, it was an awesome time. We went through this book. And what we're going to do for the next two weeks in kind of our, our preaching during our service is just, just one-off sermons. Uh, I'm going to preach this morning, and then we're going to have a guest preacher next week. And then we're going to get into the book of Malachi, or Malachi, if you want to pronounce it incorrectly, um, which, which is going to be great because that's going to kind of lead us up to uh, this Advent period and then into Christmas as we celebrate and anticipate the coming of Christ. Um, but this morning, yeah, I, I spent the week kind of praying and, and seeking the Lord as to what he would have me preach on and what kind of kept coming to my mind was this truth and, and kind of what Emma said this morning a little bit too, that we as a church have been created for such a time as this. Like we have been uniquely wired and designed to be the body of Christ in North Lakes in 2023. And so I want to look this morning at what it means to be the church and how God has called us to be his hands and feet in North Lakes as a community shaped by the gospel and then sent out. And so uh, would you pray with me as we dive in? Lord, I thank you that you are the sovereign king over all things. And that you give us your word to, to know more about you, but also to see the truths about ourselves. And so, Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes and ears to hear and see what you have for us this morning? Uh, would you speak through me for your glory? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so I just want to, I just want to read quickly. We're going to be in a few different passages this morning, but we're going to begin in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 to 10. It's going to come up on the screen. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this is kind of a famous passage. Most of us would have known that first bit, would have heard it say, uh, said a lot of times. And, and kind of as we walk through Daniel, we, the, the main kind of image that we saw, the main theme of this book was that God is the sovereign king, right? He is working in all things, the good and the bad. He's working through obedience and disobedience. And so we want to argue that in God's sovereignty, he has created the body of Christ to carry out his redemptive plans here on earth. That in his sovereignty and good pleasure, God has formed a group of people for his purpose. That we would carry out his redemptive plan here on earth. He has saved us by grace. So in his sovereignty, he has redeemed us as a group of people. And when we think about salvation, when we think about faith, the Bible always talks about it collectively. Like we haven't been saved to a personal and private faith to walk alone. We have been saved into a family. And here's a few names that we get the Bible calls us as the church. We are God's children. We are the body of Christ. We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen nation, a chosen people. We are the assembly of the saints, the bride of Christ, the flock of God, the household of faith, a holy city, a city on a hill, the family of God. Like this is the church. And so when the Bible talks about our salvation, when the Bible talks about being called by God, we're always called into the body. And so our faith is a collective faith. 
And Jesus he kind of emphasizes, he says that we are the light of the world. In, in Matthew 5, he says, we are the light of the world. And when he says that, that you are the light of the world, it's plural here. So, so all of us here are the light of the world. Like we need each other to be this light. And I want to contend that, that more than ever, this world needs the church to be the light of the world, to shine bright the goodness and grace of Jesus in this dark and lost world. And I see, I see so many churches, I see so many Christians who try and be like the world in order to win the world. And yet, why would the world need us if we look just like them, if we sound just like them, if we act just like them? Like they wouldn't, right? What the world needs is a different people, a people that is set apart, that is shining bright in the darkness all around us. But, but I get it. Like, like sometimes Christians, we want to be cool. We want to be relevant. We want to show people, hey, you can come to church. Like we're no different than you. We, you know, it doesn't change you. But that's not the gospel. But that's not what the Bible says. Like it should change you. We need to be different because the world needs different. Like the world needs to look out and see that there is a better way to live, that there is a different alternative to the world and way that they are living right now. And so as a church, as a group of people, God has called us to be this light now, today, in 2023, in North Lakes, where we live, where we work, in our families. Because I believe this more than ever, that we have been called for such a time as this. And what, what I mean by this is that God has called Emma, God has called Dave, God has called Shane, God has called Jason, God, like he's called all of us in here to be the church of North Lakes, to be the church of Life Center Church North Lakes right here, right now in 2023 and beyond. Like God in his sovereignty, like it isn't a, it isn't a, like it's not a coincidence that you were born, when you were born, where you were born, how you were born, that all these events have led for you to be where you are today. Like it's not an accident. God in his sovereignty has called us to be the church, to be this light in 2023, right now. We were created for such a time as this. And so when we look at the world, when we, when we see the times that we're in, and sometimes we, we get afraid of where the world's going, we need to remember that we were actually created for this time. Like out of every decade in history, out of every century in history, God chose 2023 to have all of you sitting here right now as LCC Northlakes. Like that's, it's not an accident that that happened. We read, what does it say? And at the second end of this says, For we are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like, like God didn't just save us to sit there twiddling our thumbs until we get to heaven. No, he created us with good works beforehand, like before we were even saved, before we were born. While we were in our sin and rebellion, God's like, yeah, I'm going to save them because I've got a plan for them. I've got a purpose and I'm going to use them mightily for my kingdom and my glory. And so all of us, corporately and individually, have been saved for good works prepared beforehand by God. Like there is a purpose and a calling on your life that, that the world needs us to walk in. The world needs us to be the church and all God has called us to be right now. Why? Because the world needs Jesus. Like it needs someone to point to Jesus. We are the light of the world that we might point to the true light of the world. It's like he has chosen you to be where you are today. He has chosen you to be the parents of those children. Like God has chosen, no one else has chosen you. He's chosen you to be the children of those parents. He's chosen you to live where you live in the neighborhood you live right now. He's chosen you to work in that job that you have right now that maybe you hate, but God in his sovereignty has chosen that for you. 
in his good pleasure and design, he has created you for that, for that moment right now. And it is, it's not an accident that you are where you are. Like, it's, it's not. And, and I'm not talking about fatalism here, this idea that, that none of our actions or our decisions matter, that in the end, whatever happens is going to happen. Like, I'm not talking about... The, the Bible is clear that as humans, our decisions matter. Like, our choices matter. Like, the Bible is clear that there, there is free will. And the Bible is also clear that God is sovereign over all things. And there is a mystery there, and we do not have time this morning. We'll wait till Kylan's back, right? But what we do see in this... And the point I want to make this morning that we see in Ephesians, and it's probably more famous taken from the book of Esther, as that we were made for such a time as this. Like the church of Jesus Christ was made for such a time as this. As we look at the world and everything that's going on, God is saying, yeah, I've got a people. I've brought them together. I've gifted them. I've called them for this purpose and this reason. Like, do we believe that? That we are where we are right now because God and his sovereignty and good pleasure has placed us here. Like it's, it's not an accident, it's not a coincidence that you are in this room right now. And so we need to walk in that calling that God has for us as the church of Christ, as the body of Christ, as the light of the world, that we might point people to Jesus. And so the Bible has many uh, descriptive and prescriptive characteristics of what the church should look like. And so we don't have time to go through all of them today, but I think they are all really anchored in this commandment from Jesus that we see in John 13. It says this in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, first and foremost, we need to be a people marked by love. To know the love of God for us and then from that place to love one another. The world needs us to be a people that, that genuinely and honestly love one another. Like Jesus said, the world isn't going to know you're my disciples because your moral superiority or because your obedience to the rules or because you have it all going on in your life or, or, or because of your status and your wealth or because you act like a good person. No, it's not even because of your joy and your peace. Jesus says you're going to know my disciples because you love for one another, like because you generally love one another. Why? Because this is so foreign to the world that we live in. Like, it's just foreign. Like, like I'm not saying the world, those that aren't Christians, don't know how to love. I'm saying their love is different. Like, the love of the church is a love that transcends race, transcends political opinions, transcends demographic, social status, transcends age, transcends how many zeros you have in your bank account, Right? Like, yet the, the world does love, the world shows love, and, and really it's, it's loyalty to their tribes. And more and more what we're seeing is the world being divided into their own little tribes and staying within that tribes, and the church ought not to be like that. Like, like, like look around the room, look at us. Like, we shouldn't be hanging out together. And yet, because of our unity in Christ, we're here. And so we need to be a church that loves, like, I mean, genuinely loves one another. A love that surpasses those things, that transcends those things, that realizes we're all in the same boat. We're all people that were dead in our sin and now being made alive in Christ. And we come to celebrate that, that Jesus is our good God, that he is our king and we are his people. And so it makes us a family. And so I'm not saying when, when I'm saying we need to love each other that we can't fight. Like, I'm not saying, like there's some tension in families. You can love your brother and still get in a tussle, right? But at the end of the day, 
because of your love, always, and I mean always, we are to revert back to repentance and forgiveness and grace and reconciliation. That's what the love of Christ does in us. And so the world needs us to be a people that love one another. Do we love one another? Like, you look across the room, do you love one another? Or do you just kind of love those people that are like you? Or maybe you love those people that like you. Like, do we genuinely love one another? And I'm not saying you have to be best friends. I'm saying you need to love one another. That's what, that's what Jesus calls us to do. To love one another. To love our brothers. Like, I hear, I hear sometimes, nah, the Bible says I need to love them, but I don't need to like them. Like, what a load of garbage, right? Like, imagine if Jesus did that, because he says we need to love them how he has loved us. Imagine if Jesus was like, yeah, I love them, but I don't like them. I don't like those people. That's not how Jesus acts towards us. Like Jesus genuinely loves us and calls us in and wants to spend time with us and be around us and forgive us and show us grace and mercy and spend eternity with us. And that's how we need to act with those in the room as part of the church. And like, this is love one another. We haven't even got to the fact that we need to love our neighbors and we need to love our enemies. Right? This is foundational stuff. But if we can get this, like we can like actually get this, what a beautiful picture. Like what a vision that I'm, I'm up for fighting for. That we're a group of people that just love, like recklessly love one another, like irrationally love one another. Like why do you love them? They keep doing that to you. Yeah, that doesn't, I don't know, but I do, I love them. Because we understand that we have all been shown grace by God. And even right now, that like there might be people in here that someone's done something to you, Right? Like someone's done something to you and you're already thinking about that. Yeah, no, I love them. I don't like them. That's not what the Bible calls us to do. You haven't found a loophole in Jesus' commandment, right? You are to love one another. And there's this, this one quote that kind of always provokes my imagination. Like, I love this quote. It was, it was in the second century when Christians were being like absolutely decimated, brutally persecuted, being crucified upside down on the streets, burned alive, fed to lions. There's this, this uh, guy named Caesar Hadrian, right? He, he was the guy in charge at the time. And he's persecuting the church, the early Christians, right? And he's, he's decimated, like terrible stuff, but unimaginable persecution. But, but they're not being snuffed out. Like they're still growing. The church is still growing. The Christians are still growing. And so he sends this guy in undercover to go, hey, can you, can you figure out what's happening here? Because we can't seem to eradicate these people that call themselves little Christs. And so this guy goes in undercover and he writes back to Caesar and he says this. He says in response, he says, like, they love one another. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they, when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And, and if there is any among them that are poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply the needy, their lack of food. Their, their oppressors, they appease and make them their friends. They do good to their enemies. Such a king is their manner of life. They love one another. And verily, this is a new people, and there is something divine in the midst of them. Like, I, I read that and I go, Please, God, make us our people. Like, please, God, make us our people. That we would love in that way. Like, the, the, the Caesar guys, 
why can't we get rid of them? Like, what is happening? We're persecuting. They're still growing. And this guy's going, man, I don't know. They, they love one another. Like, they just, they love, they're fasting and praying when they don't have food so they can give to the needy. And they're making friends with those who are persecuting them, with their enemies. Like, like that's a love that I want us to be like. Like, imagine if that was us in here. Like, what, what great things we could do in and through this community, in and through our lives, if we are a people marked by love, that, that those from the outside would look in and go, wow, like, why do they do that? Like, why do they do that? Like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of love. And like, I, I'm not, I don't want us to feel condemned or, or, or guilty or anything this morning for not doing this. My aim is that we would, I would put up this beautiful picture, this vision of what we could be. And then go, God, make us like that. Please make us like that. And we can only be that people if we understand that God first loved us. That our love tanks actually full because God has first loved us. And I think we get, a, we get a really cool picture of this kind of lifestyle in the church at Antioch. And I just want to read just the first two verses and, and unpack these group of people that are together that really shouldn't be together. And so let's just read it real quick from 13... Uh, verse 1. Now that we're in the church of Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lysias of Cyrene, Mananea, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they were together worshipping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Now, now first, if we are going to be this people that are marked by love, then we need to fight for harmony amongst ourselves. Like fight for harmony and unity amongst ourselves. And like I said, it doesn't mean we can't tussle. It doesn't mean there can't be some tension in the family, but it means they always will come back to repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. But as we, as we look at these group of people, like this is a life group that is messed up. Like these people shouldn't be together in the same church. Like if someone was to come to me and says, Shane, I'm going to make a life group and these are the people I'm going to invite, I'd be like, not a chance. Like this, that it, there's not, that's going to explode and tear apart the early church, right? Like let's just, let's just have a look at these people real quick. Like there was, there's Barnabas. Um, we, we meet Barnabas in chapter four in this passage that sometimes we just we read over real quickly. I'm just going to read. It's not going to come on the screen. I'm going to read it. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so here's this guy named Joseph who was like, he's like a human Labrador, right? He's a human golden retriever. He's, he's, they, so much so the disciples saw him and said, we're not going to call you Joseph, we're going to call you Barnabas, son of encouragement. Right? He's this guy who just loves everyone, like loves everyone. And then he sees that there's a need amongst him. So he's like, oh, I've got an investment property. And so he just sells his property and just brings the money and lays him at the feet of the disciples and goes, do what you wish. He's so caught up in, in, in the kingdom work that he wants to be a part of God's mission here on earth. He just sells what he has and just goes, there's the money, take it. But just, just that, you know, that guy that you, you at church, like, how you going, brother? Yeah, man, I love you, brother. Like, yeah, oh, great. Oh, that's so good. I'm praying for you, brother. Like, that's Barnabas. And then we meet Saul, right? Probably the opposite kind of guy. Like, at the same time as that, we, we hear about Saul. This is what it says about Saul. And Saul approved his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. 
Now, Barnabas, who definitely would have known of Saul, the guy that was going around murdering his friends, dragging them out into the street and chucking them in prison, are now in a life group together, praying and fasting. And then they go on to plant churches and churches. That's only possible if their hearts have been transformed by the gospel. That they would genuinely love one of them. They look past their backgrounds to what Christ has done for each of them. Forgiven them of their sin. Like if we're honest, and like I think if we want to do this, we need to be honest. We can still be really petty over things people have done to us. Like re, like hold on to pettiness over people who have sinned against us. And like, like I know, I, I, I understand, I feel, sometimes I can be like this. But, but I can guarantee whatever we're holding on to isn't, nah, yeah, he, he dragged my boy out in the street and he murdered him and then he took his wife and threw her in prison. Like that's not what we're holding on to. And yet we can still be so petty over people who have wronged us, over people who have called us names, over people who have said stuff to us. And I, I don't want to downplay your hurt. But I want to say we need to fight for harmony amongst us. We need to fight to be people that our hearts being transformed by the gospel. Because that's what we're seeing here, right? And then, and then I'll move on quickly. There's a guy named Mananea. It says he's a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch. Like that's just, just thrown out there randomly. But if we, we look into who he was, Herod's dad was the one who ordered that all the boys under two be murdered in Jerusalem. You know that nice little Christmas story? Like that's his dad. And then, and then Herod the Tetrarch, he goes on to murder his brother-in-law and then he has his mother-in-law executed He's the one who has John the Baptist beheaded and then he, he marries his brother-in-law's new uh, ex-wife and he's the one who, when Jesus wouldn't perform a miracle in front of him, sends him back to Pilate to be executed, but not before beating him up. And there's this guy named Mananea who's lifelong friends with him in the same life group. And like, surely you're in there going, mate, what's wrong with your boy? Like... Why are you, how are you lifelong friends with that guy? He, he beat up Jesus. Like, you know, the Jesus that we all serve? And yet, they don't do that. They don't do that. Like, how do we as a people handle secondary affiliation? Oh, oh, you hang out with those people. Oh, you vote for that political party. Okay. Oh, you run with that crowd. Well, you can't be a part of us. Oh, you like that kind of worship music. Oh, you... Like that, that's not happening here. Because they know that their primary identity is love of Christ, of unity in the gospel. And again, church, we need to fight for harmony if we are going to be a people that are, is marked by love. And so why, why am I highlighting this? Because I think that we right now are living in a world that is charged, that at any moment, can just explode because of a wrong statement or a, a, a word taken incorrectly or an insensitive comment. Like just explode. And so as the church, as the body of Christ, we need to seek to be a people that isn't like that. Because we need the world to look in and go, there is another way. There is a better way to live. And so we need to be a group of people that are different, that fight for unity, that shouldn't get along but do only because of Jesus and what he's done, that, that love each other even when we have been wronged because that's what God's calling us to.
Like I get it, like people can frustrate you. People can hurt you. And when they do, we need to take that to the Lord, right? The world has nowhere to take that. And so they normally just take it to Facebook. But again, we ought not to be like that. Like we don't have to do that. We have a God that we can take our hurt and our pain to and our frustration. And he is bigger and he is able to carry that. And we know at the end of the day, he's either going to show those people mercy and grace or he's going to judge it rightly. Our job is to love. Is to love and trust that God's in control. That at the end of the day, God's got it. He will either show them mercy and grace or he'll judge it. And yet we're a bunch of Jonas running around going, no, God, I don't want you to show them forgiveness. I don't want you to show them grace. I know you've shown me that. I know you've shown me that. But do you know what they said about me? Like if we're going to be a people that like love each other, like generally love each other, then we can't be like this. We need to be this kind of beacon of harmony, a group of people that just deeply and genuinely love one another, that encourage each other, build each other up in faith, that, that point each other back to the cross continually, remind each other, like because we need each other. like We actually need each other to live this life because we have been designed in a way and called in to be the body. And what the world needs right now is Life Center Church North Lakes here in 2023. Why? Because the world needs Jesus. And we are his hands and feet. And we are the means in which he's carrying out his redemptive plan here. And so we want to trust him. And so as, as the band come up, I just want to, I want to finish by looking at like, specifically how we are going to love. Because Jesus says that we are to love one another just as I have loved you. And so how has Jesus loved us? Well, like he died for us on the cross. Yes. So our love needs to be a sacrificial love. And what that means is when someone wrongs us, we need to sacrifice that and choose to love. Like our love needs to be outside of the walls of those who we kind of get along with, beyond. We need to go overseas to the nations and choose to love those, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies and beyond. Why? Because Jesus' love was like that. A sacrificial love. And so we need to choose to put others before. The world says, do what makes you happy. And Jesus says, hey, just do what makes others happy. Love others. Why? Because, because God of the universe loves us. Like our, our, our tank is full. We don't need to chase the approval and the acceptance of the world because our love tank is full. And it's, it's not just sacrificial love that Jesus shows us. Jesus died for a group of people that he loved when they were at their worst. Like at their absolutely worst. Romans says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, that whilst we were still sinners, he died for us. Like God died for us when we were, at our, when we were enemies. And so as we walk out this faith journey with one another, our love needs to be like that. Like, how, how do you love that guy when he's done that to me? Oh, because Jesus loved me when I was way worse than him. How do you love, like, you don't know what that person did to me. Well, I know what you did to Jesus. He still loves you. Like, like Jesus loves us. And so if we're going to be able to be this people, we need to realize that God first loved us. Like, that needs to be our motivation. That God has called us. God has redeemed us. 
God has lavished upon us love after love after love. Like Jesus can't love us any more than he does right now. And he can't love us any less than he does right now. Why? Because he's unchanging. Like he's unchanging. And so his love for us is unchanging. And so when you were at that highest moment in your life where you're just you're reading your Bible every day, you're praying on time, and you just knew that God loved you, that love he had for you is the same when you were in that moment of sin and rebellion. That's the same love that God shows to you in both those times because his love isn't predicated on you. It's predicated on him and he doesn't change. So his love for you doesn't change. Just Jesus loves you when you pray. Jesus loves you when you don't pray. Jesus loves you when you fail. Jesus loves you when you sin. Jesus loves you when you're walking in obedience to him. Jesus loves you at your best day. He loves you at your worst day. He lo- like he loves you more than you can ever comprehend. It doesn't matter what you've done. He, he loves you because his love is predicated on himself, on Christ. Like you're his creation. We are his worksmanship. And in his good design, imagine he's created us to be his family, to be his children. And so his love for us can and will never change. And that needs to be the motivation for all of this. If you walk away today and you remember one thing, it's that Jesus loves you. I mean, that's, that's what I want you to walk away now. Jesus loves you, no matter what. Like he, he loves you. Genuinely, wholly loves you. And so from that place, we are then freed to be a people that love one another. That show grace and mercy and forgiveness for one another. That are acceptance, that a love that transcends demographic and ethnicity, that transcends social status, political opinion, whatever. A love that is unified in God and what Christ has done for us. Why? Because God has created us the body of Christ, LCC Northlakes, for such a time as this, that we might be his hands and feet in this world, that we might shine bright the light of Christ to a world that is lost and in darkness. And so if you're not a Christian here, the invitation is come. Trust in a God that loves you. On your darkest day, he loves you. So much that he went to the cross for you. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty of sin, all the rebellion that we've ever done. And because of that, we are now fully, freely, and forever forgiven. And those Christians here today, we can rejoice in knowing that one day we will rise with him into eternity and experience that love in a, in a way that unimaginable as we're in the presence of God forever. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you love us. They don't just love us when we're doing good. They just love us when we've got it all together. You love us at our worst. And we can see that as we look to the cross, as you demonstrated your love for us, that whilst we were sinners, in the midst of our sin and rebellion, the Bible says we were enemies of God that you died for us, that you gave your life for us. And so God, would we know that in our hearts? 
Would our, would our first motivation not just be a people who love you, but a people who know how much we are loved by you? And then from that, Holy Spirit would just shape us into a picture of love and beauty that those on the outside would look in and say, there is something divine in their midst. God, we thank you for your word. We praise you. And it's for your wonderful name. So, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.